Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I get to talk about anything and everything I want to talk about when it comes to Digital Dealer Tampa. It is literally right around the corner. I'm excited to get some sun. It's only been four months since I've seen that, so I'm very, very excited. I have an amazing guest today. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Miss Erica Tiffany with me. Erica, how are you today? Jason, I am doing amazing. Thanks again for having me. Hey, I'm looking forward to this. You know, like I said, Digital Dealer, I'm excited every year for it. I just think out of all the conferences, it does an amazing job of just bringing in different speakers from just different aspects of the business, either be on the OEM side or the vendor side or the dealer side and just bring them all together and just like, you know, I mean, I remember when I was a dealer, I would go to Digital Dealer and I'd come back with like a notebook like this thick, you know, just stuff I want to do, you know, so it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, you got a great session. I'm very excited. You know, I'll be, try to be front row. I'll be some something in orange. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, hey, Erica, it's me. You know, um, <laughs> a little fanboy, but hey, I'll be there. Um, but for, you know what we'll do is I want to get into that. But before we do that, I love kicking off our conversations with a little origin story. A, because I'm always fascinated to find out how people got into this business. So Erica, what's the origin story of how you got started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Funny story. So I'm, I'm non-traditional, right? So I'm, I'm working at a daycare and I'm making $6 an hour. Uh, I'm teaching preschool (laughs) and my car breaks down. Mm -hmm. I go to a Napa auto care center. And I mean, I am like devastated. The guy tells me that it's my alternator. It's going to cost a couple hundred bucks. That might as well have been a couple thousand dollars because I didn't have the money anyway. Mm-hmm. And I start to cry and break down. And I'm upset. And he's like, hey, hey, what's going on? I said, listen, I can't pay for this. But if you help me, I'll help you. I said, I have a bunch of parents. They all have cars. I will send them here. Give me an oil change coupon or something. <laughs> if you help me fix my alternator and I'll make weekly payments so I can pay it off. He thought it was a fantastic idea. That's how I got started. Next thing I know, he was starting his own shop. I came to work for him. I started working in service. It was a small three-bay center. I ordered parts. I used all data. I wrote all the service tickets and uh, delivered all the cars to the customers. And I found that I loved it. I ended up going to get my dealer license. Um, This was back in 2004. Uh, We would go to the auction, buy cars, and then flip them. He'd fix them. And then we'd sell them right there off of Craigslist and um, different little online marketplaces back then. And I just started finding a love for the business. I eventually went to work for a buy here, pay here. I sold cars there, ended up running and managing their BDC. We had three locations with one centralized BDC, got into Highline, worked at Audi for a couple of years. Uh, I did seven years with Audi. It did finance. I did new car manager, uh, went to Nissan. And now I'm at a Volkswagen store and I am excited about the future of automotive. It's been almost 20 years now. And it's just growing and evolving and progressing so fast. And thinking about how can we continue just to push this market forward? Because a lot has changed back since when I first started. I, you know what? I, I, I have to admit, I'm kind of glad your car broke down. <laughs> <laughs> right? But the one the, thing that started it all. But I love it. I mean, you know, there, there are just so many unique stories. Like no one, no one wakes up one day and goes, mm, I'm going to be an automotive. You know, it's, it's, I find it's either you're born into it, you stumble into it, or you get conned into it. And man, <laughs> you are like the perfect stumble into it. You're, but but it sounded like the, the the hustle was strong with you right out of the gate. You're like, look, I I don't have it, but here's what we can do. Boom, 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 boom. Let's 
absolutely. I call it hunger, being hungry. Hungry. And those are the kind of people that I'm looking for now. When we go to hire people, a lot of times dealers are always looking for experience Mm -hmm. and they want to find uh, employees that have the experience and, you know, they have to have sold cars before they have to have worked in service, but I'm like, are they hungry? Yes. Because when you're hungry, there's this, this place of desperation when you're on the edge of not having any and, and your hustle is a little bit stronger because you got to eat, right? 100%. And and for me, when I see people who are hungry and passionate, I'm willing to look overlook everything else as far as experience and past work history because I remember my own story. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying nobody would have hired the daycare teacher. I mean, there's not a dealership in America right now that I could put my resume out there and say, hey, I worked at a daycare and Burger King prior to this. Can I come work for you? And then he'd have a position for me. And that's what we have to change, right? Because we need to be able to bring people who are coachable, mm-hmm. who are trainable, who are hungry. And as long as you have those basic ingredients, to me, everything else we can teach. Oh, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. In fact, actually, I had a funny little story. The best manager I ever had uh, was actually a kindergarten teacher. And uh, which actually, you know what, when, I, when she first approached and she applied for the job, I was like, I had a giggle because I'm like, I think you'll actually be really good at this. And she was like, why i said because it's like herding cats out there and if you can if you if you can herd 20 30 little kindergartners all right there's there's probably about a dozen full-grown men out there they ain't going to be far from doing exactly that and i'll tell you she took right to it you know she gave everybody their gold stars the pat on the back she changed the culture and everybody loved it i'm telling you best manager i ever hired was a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> babysitting, right? I say go from babysitting back to babysitting. But seriously, true, to, to your point, yeah. um, it, it, it's this open-mindedness to find employees 100%. that um, are going to bring something unique and a different you know, problem-solving skill. As, as preschool teacher, I promise you that, I was spending a lot of time solving problems. And <laughs> yes. teaching and coaching open, fresh minds who looked at the world differently. And that's how I look at my employees now is that they all have a unique perspective and together we are, you know, the sum of our parts. Exactly. You know, I think, uh, I think there's a lot to be together. I think we might be kind of cracking into a little bit of a hack here, right? I think like the manager program should be, you should go spend three weeks with kindergartners (laughs) or preschoolers just, just to try to just, you know, you know, this person hit me and how you kind of talk them through it. And, you know, I, I don't understand how I put these blocks on top. Let me walk you through. You know, I actually think we might be onto something here, Eric. <laughs> hey, uh, let's, we'll switch our, we'll switch topics a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm actually running it through my head. I'm like, this could be fun. Uh, but, but let's talk a little bit about your session at Digital Dealer because you got a super cool topic. All right. Profits, POs, and closed ROs developing business in the service lane with or without BDC. Man, you know how to pick your your, your session topics or your titles here, man. This is an awesome, awesome title, but I, I'm so excited to kind of find out a little bit kind of like which direction and how you're going to approach this. So let's talk, you know, if, if anybody's out there and they're looking at these different sessions, why would you say they should come to this particular one? If you're in service, big stops, BDC manager, sales manager. I think anybody's going to be able to find value from this topic because mm-hmm. it is about cultivating and developing business. And I think a lot of times we get confused, especially when we talk about BDCs and a call center and the difference between a call center and a business development center. How are we actually creating business, right? How are you making your service center more profitable by bringing additional business, not just the customers that are already calling, the customers that you already have? How can you bring incremental business to that department? And a lot of times it's just with the processes that you already have, tweaking them, adjusting them, 
partnering up your people. I have a lot of tips, tricks, and secrets that we use at several of the dealerships that I've been at over the years. And I want to share that knowledge. You know, I don't work for, you know, any company. I don't have any type of a thing I'm trying to sell. I'm not a consultant. I don't have any kind of products to offer. I just want to give firsthand knowledge from the experiences that I've had. Um, I've created several different BDCs from scratch. I worked with Audi of America. We created not only a sales BDC, but also a service BDC from the ground up with one person. And she worked at Waffle House prior to bring her into the department. She worked her way all the way up to the manager and then was doing so well, she ended up managing three different stores, our Volkswagen, wow. our Hyundai, and our Audi store, all out of one department. Um, and it was just a huge turnaround from having no BDCs at all to a big mega BDC that housed multiple stores and how that actually changed the service departments dramatically, giving the advisors time to spend more time doing what we want them to do, right? Which is sell. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of confusion between a service writer and a service advisor. A lot of people have service writers. They're out there, they're writing tickets, they're trying to get people to buy stuff in the service lane, promote maintenance, all those things. But are they advising? Are they consulting? Are they really giving people the meat and potatoes on why they should get these services done? And we think about the future of automotive and what's happening with EVs coming. Do you think your service advisors are going to be busier uh, with more people coming in with more complicated problems with their vehicles, having questions about what's going on? And should I tow my car in? And hey, my battery's you know, doing different things in the summer versus the winter. It's going to be more questions, exactly. right? The technology is getting so complicated that people want to know more about their vehicles. And it's going to take the time of the advisor to really be able to sell that service and give that customer that one-on-one -on -one feedback. Well, the problem with that is that while they're doing that selling, the phone's ringing, you know, someone can't find their car, there's a technician waiting to get an approval, there's warranty work that needs to be called in to get it claims done. Yep. There's so much that gets dropped that I think that the typical advisor doesn't really have time to do their main job, which is to advise and to consult. Yes. So what we're going to do is try to streamline these processes, talk about ways to make sure that your employees are more efficient. If you have a BDC, we'll talk about improving that. If you don't have a BDC, we'll talk about starting one. And if you're not interested in a BDC at all, how about a junior advisor? Someone to sit back, help out with those status calls, and then create an incubator of future employees that can come out of these departments because we already know that there's a shortage of people to work in service, oh, you know, shortage of technicians, shortage of service advisors. So for me, it's really just about getting excited, getting to the meat potatoes, sharing some of the stories that I've had of experience of building a BDC in service, and then talking about those service processes, those service processes and tweaks and what we can do to really make sure that we're maximizing what is supposed to be the most profitable part of the dealership. Yet sometimes it's the underdeveloped and least trained department in the dealership, That's which so is true. amazing to me because we have all these resources mind. for sales, mm -hmm. but we have to make sure that we're taking advantage of giving those resources to our guys in service because they're so valuable to us. Yeah, you know what? Those are some meat and potatoes I can really get into. I'll be honest with you, right? I mean, because you know, it's all about the process, you know. And it's you know, we talk so much about that holy grail that is the customer experience, you know. And and we find that the customer experience is just a byproduct of just whatever ends up happening. You know, a lot of us don't ever realize that we can process our way to that experience. And it's those processes that you just kind of discussed, you know, creates those cornerstones, that, those building blocks, that foundation that gets you to that place of holy, the holy grail of customer experience. Um, you know, look, I think too often we, we do not treat our BDC as a customer experience generating, you know, department. It is, you know, it, it honestly, a lot of times it's actually not even necessarily a BDC. Um, it doesn't do a whole lot to actually develop new business as much as just, you know, just overseeing the overflow of those phones ringing off the hook like crazy. Exactly. You know, and, and again, it just because it just comes down to process, you know, I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, I was 
I, I set up our first BDC for our dealership in early 2000s. And it was really new then. And the funny thing is we actually didn't call it a BDC, not until almost a few months after it got started because that was the term that was being used. It was called internet operations because they were like, we're getting these phone calls from people that are online and we don't know what to do with them. And we're getting these these form fills, these inquiries, that's what they were called, you know, and we didn't know what to do with them. But it's all about the process. It was the process that was, you know, the goal has to be the customer experience. Then we work backwards toward those processes. And I'm so excited, man, for your session. I really am. I think it's going to be very, very cool. Um, it, look, if there, there's a lot to probably take away from that discussion. But if there was maybe one or two takeaways that you hope that people really kind of gravitate to and take back to their dealership and put an action plan about, uh, around, what would be those takeaways? Uh, one takeaway definitely is about cultivating the people. Um, mm -hmm. The people are so important. I, I, one of my favorite phrases is that people is the new currency, right? The currency like of people and the investment in the people in the future. So many times dealerships, we have the short-term thinking. We're thinking at 30 days at a time, 60 mm -hmm. days at a time, one RO to the next RO, you know, one month to the next month. And we're not thinking about the big picture. The beautiful thing that I think about my, my previous service BDC is how much talent came out of that department that we created from scratch. We have a used car manager that came out of that department that started working in our BDC. Um, we have a guy now who's a parts assistant director who came out of that service BDC. We have service writers that came out of there. Uh, there's a few people that stayed and enjoy it, love the service BDC, and they're still there to this day. But what about incubating that talent from people who were on the front line who took those phone calls, who understand the customer's concerns, and then navigated their way through the entire department and now are happy and consistently providing, you know, this service to customers and knowing that they have a respect for the service BDC because they used to work there, exactly. right? We did a lot of cross-training in the department. I think that was the, one of the biggest and most helpful things that we can we could do. And we're going to talk about that cross-training, letting those service BDC people sit in the service lane, seeing what happens, taking them for 20, 30 minutes to the shop, understanding how the workflow with the short shop foreman goes because it gave them a different appreciation. A lot of times the frustrations come from bottlenecks because we're not exposed to it. We have an idea in our mind of what that department looks like, but we're not exposed to what actually happens in that department. So we're going to be able to go back and talk about taking those processes and then taking those people, mm. merging them together and creating a cohesiveness that allows you guys to get the most efficient part of your work done with the right people in the right place with the right process. You know, and it's all about efficiencies and that's what it comes down to, right? You know, the one thing I've kind of realized over the last 24 months that our industry is, is embracing and, and is going, I hope to embrace more as we go through the future is a quality over quantity scenario, you know, um, you know, especially Absolutely. in the BDC, right? Like, I mean, I think of every conversation, you know, I had in the last five years about BDC and I hate to say it, but it's just, it's what it is. It's all about quantity. How many calls did we do? How many, how many leads did we process? It's not necessarily about how many quality conversations did we have? How many quality connections? How many connections were made? And, and I feel that there's a bit of a fundamental change. It's in the air. The question is, will it stick? And I think I, you are seeing like proactive dealerships, very proactive dealerships already embrace that model of quality over quantity. And, you know, I, I, I'm with you 100%. You know, I, I, it's like we got to get down to the processes that maintain that quality. And then developing actual business, right? Like exactly. it's not just a call center where we're having people call in and make appointments. 100%. We want to be ahead of the game. I was talking to one of my um, friends who is a service manager. She says, Eric, I'm having a problem. I find that we have these very, very busy times in my service shop. And then we have these very busy, very times where it's not busy at all. And I can't get any work. 
And so we started to kind of reverse engineer what was happening. And when we talked about it, they would spend so much time booking people three or four weeks out for maintenance, right? We're too busy right now. So we're booking people out for maintenance weeks ahead. But then what would happen is weeks ahead, all they had was maintenance, right? Because of (laughs) of how they were booking their schedule. So when you had service advisors who were over the schedule, sometimes they were on the phone, they were too busy. They would just hurry up and book an appointment at whatever given time saying, hey, I I can't take that appointment right now. How about two weeks from now I can schedule you? Well, in two weeks, then they'd have these lulls where they didn't have enough time to get the people in that they wanted to because they didn't actually schedule it with any purpose or intention. So we're going to talk about that, right? How do you have intentional purpose-driven appointment setting? And that's why I think a BDC is a perfect example of that and how they can help you schedule without your advisors kind of having that control of that, because then it becomes very um, made for them. They write, they, they, I had advisors who were like, listen, I'm going to make sure that I get out of here at five o'clock today. So I'm not going to schedule any appointments after four 30. <laughs> That's not how we run our shop, right? <laughs> our shop can't be done based on what the advisor thinks. But when you have a BDC who understands the gaps and understands the, when the shop is open, when certain technicians are there, what kind of work with what technician needs to be done on what day, when to get the oil changes and tire rotation kind of work done versus more of the heavy work, the customer pay versus the warranty. When you have someone who is managing that and a BDC manager to look at those processes, we also saw gaps. We saw Mm -hmm. communication issues. We saw what advisors had lag times where their customers were having more status callbacks because they weren't getting the information out. They weren't getting to those ROs quick enough. They weren't getting them written up fast enough because the data was there and you had a department who could look at the data and then help actually develop business. They could look two weeks out and say, hey, service manager, we're going to have a problem next week if we don't go ahead and get some work in, or we're going to run out of loaners next week because I can already see ahead that the amount of work that we have in the future is going to use up our loaner fleet ahead. Who is looking at that data and information right now, right? Are we proactively going after that? So these are some of the things that we're going to talk about and just really understanding the data, creating processes that work. And then whether you have a BDC or not, making sure that you have tangible items that you can take back to your dealership to either start one or go ahead and make sure that the one that you have now is efficient. Erica, I'm so excited for this session. I'm not going to lie. I, and and I, I dig your energy so much too, right? Like, you know, um, I, I'm serious. I, I can see just the the half a notebook of notes that I think anybody that attends this this session is going to walk out of there. I hope it's so. like, no, I I really think there is for hey, for everybody out that's watching and listening right now, and maybe like to connect with you, you know, before the event. What's the best way to connect with you? LinkedIn is the very best way. You can yeah. just go up and find me, Erica with two Ks, Tiffany with an I. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm on all social media platforms. I'm on Clubhouse. Um, so feel free to reach out to me. You can email me as well. It's Erica Tiffany at Gmail. Um, my name's right there. That's how you spell it. But I'm looking forward to connecting and helping out in any way I can. So feel free to reach out. Erica, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a ton of fun. You have yourself an amazing day. You too.